right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Decision Hour, part of the Heroes Media Group Network. And a couple of weeks ago, on one of the Facebook Lives that I do every Friday, I talked about an organization and a gentleman who I met. Uh, and I have that gentleman sitting here next to me right now. And it's it's such an honor uh, for me to, to sit next to this guy because he's, he's larger than life. And this is really the only second time I've actually <laughs> just seen him up close in person. But uh, John Beachel is with me. And John, uh, Army veteran, yeah. and has been uh, working with horses pretty much all your life. Yes. Um, so I kind of want to talk to you and ask you some questions if you don't mind about uh, kind of your upbringing and how you got in no, it'd be my working pleasure. with those. So um, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Well, my name's John Beachel. I was raised in the Finger Lakes in New York State. Uh, we got a beef farm when I turned six years old and, you know, dad showed up one day with a horse in the back of a pickup truck and I've been stuck on him ever since. Wow. So, so growing up New York, I, I got to ask being a fellow veteran myself, yeah. how'd that come to fruition? Well, it's kind of a funny story because you have, every man wants to know courage. Right. And which way do you run at the sound of sabers rattling? Right. And when the Gulf War first fired up Desert Shield. I went ahead and went in because I wanted to find out, but I didn't get to go over because it it went from Desert Shield to Desert Storm while I was in basic training. By the time I got through AIT jump school and got to Fort Bragg, they were coming home. Ugh. So I didn't get to go hear Sabres rattle at that point. Right. So I had to wait a couple more years. Okay. And how long were you in the military? I for? was in four years. Four years. So... Let's talk a little bit of then about the the transition out of the military. Uh, what did you do after the military? Did you get back into you know training horses and stuff right away, or, or how did that kind of what happened there? Well, the reason I left the military is my marriage fell apart, and I had two daughters, and I had to go find those because she took off and. In order to get the money to go find that, I went work security. I've worked security for some of the bigger names in country music back in the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, and got to travel and do a lot of fun stuff with them. But then when I found my daughters, then I got to court with that and ended up with full custody of my daughters. So I got my daughters when they were one and two years old. Oh, wow. And I raised my daughters. Good for you. And that was real important to me. That, that's, you know, it, those of you that, that listen to this show know, you know, I myself was was a single parent. Uh, my son just turned 18 about a month and a half ago. And I've had him uh, on my own since he was two. So it, it's been it's been a, a uh, hell of a ride. Yeah. I can't imagine oh, yeah. doing it with two girls. <laughs> with two <laughs> girls. <laughs> like, I, I thank the good Lord that, that I had a boy because... I probably wouldn't be here if I had if I had a girl, let alone two. Yeah. So my my hats off to you on, on that, John. That, that that's that's awesome. I mean, they, they they turned out to be really great girls. Uh, they're in their upper twenties. Uh, I think the oldest one's thirty now. She's got two daughters. So I'm a granddad. Oh, there you go. Kind of proud of that. And 
you know, real happy with where they are and what they've become. Nice. Um, all right. So now I really want to want to dive into this because, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I, when I met you, uh, you know, I came, I came out to the farm and, and you were, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I talked to Sarah a little bit and, and, and she kind of explained a little bit what goes on. And, and I've seen other organizations that attempt to do something. I was like, all right, maybe they ride horses or they teach about horses or, or, or whatnot. I didn't, didn't know what to expect. I came in with just an open mind and I, I walked out of here, um, completely, I, I, it feel, it changed me. It, it, it changed me and, and it changed me for the better because it wasn't something that I thought would, <clears throat> Uh, not knowing what to expect, but it was, you have a way of teaching and, and, and teaching or, or instructing or, or just showcasing um, this. I think at one time, even during my, my live, I said, I think John's like a horse whisperer because it was just, he makes it look so elegant uh, out there. And you have these, you know, horses are, you know they can be kind of intimidating. They're big animals, yeah. um, but they're but they're one of the most beautiful creatures God's put on he's, this he's planet. The noblest beast God gave us. To yeah, with. yeah. So I want I want I wanted this so many questions. So I'll, I'll I guess I'll start with how long have you been training horses? Is training the right word to use? Training's a fair word to use. Okay. Uh, I mean, I started training horses not long after I started riding them. By the time I was 10 and 11, you know, my father was putting me on the neighbor's problem pony. Yeah. And, but I, I laugh. I say I've been training horses for upwards of 40 years, but I've only been doing it right for the last 15 to 20. <laughs> because I had a reputation when I was a lot younger that I could make a horse do anything. Okay. And I got notice in other people that their horses were doing as much as mine were. But when they went to get their horses, they were at the gate waiting for them. My horses were always at the far end of the pasture. And when I walked all the way out to get them, they all ran to the gate. So my horses didn't want to be with me. Right. Because I was making them do what I, I wanted done. So I started looking and I started learning this horsemanship that I teach now. And it follows under the trilogy of Tom Dorrance, Bill Dorrance, Ray Hunt, of understanding the horse and working with the horse from where the horse is. Not where I am or where I want to be or I want the horse to be, but I have to work where the horse is. And we have to work in a way that the horse understands. Okay. And that's missed so much. It's, it, it, and I'm going to have some video of this because I plan on being here the next couple of weeks. This isn't going to be the last time that you see, see John, uh, and, and whatnot. And, and it's, it's truly, it, it's like all I can think of is poetry in motion with, with, you know, he takes, con I don't want to say takes control of the horse, but he becomes one with the horse kind of. Well, I, I create I, I, a situation, then wait for the horse to join the situation. Give us an example. Um, horses don't understand right and wrong. Okay. 
They don't understand win and lose. Those are human traits. Right. Very rare do you find a horse that's trying to get away with something. And if you do have one that's trying to get away with something, it's because he was taught to. Okay. They understand comfort and discomfort. So I create a situation where there may be some discomfort if he's in the direction I don't want to go, but I can create comfort if he moves in the direction I do want to go. Gotcha. Kind of. Kind of. So elaborate on that. <laughs> well. Like, and here's, here's why I, I asked that, John, because you, you see, like, you know, in the movies or whatnot, you see people up on horses and they're they're either pulling one way or pulling they're either pulling the horse mm-hmm. to go some or they're you know left or right whether they're on the horse or they're off the horse and it, and it I don't know it after watching you work with it it was like oh Hollywood's got it all wrong because that's those are obviously something completely different because it's not really like that in the real world right because yeah. I mean you sit and watch the old cowboy movies, and they say, let's cut them off at the pass, and you see them drag their hand over here, and the horse's nose goes left, and then his <laughs> ears go right, and, you know, there's not a horse in the world that likes that. Right. They do it because that's what they're taught they have to do, and it's not necessarily what they want to do. So if I can create a situation if, that they want what I want, then all I have to do is think it, and they do it. And, you know, I spoke of comfort and discomfort, but when we, we speak of that, we have to put it in perspective. Okay. Because comfort's relative. Right. Uh, I think I, I talked to you about this last week, is if I gave you a choice between sleeping on the floor or sleeping <laughs> on the mattress, which one are you going to choose? Yeah, on, on, the, on the mattress. On the mattress. So yeah. the horse has a choice of being out in the pasture or coming into work. Right. Well, okay, now the mattress isn't an option. Okay. Now you're on the floor. Right. Are you going to sleep on the wood floor or the carpeted floor? The carpeted floor. So that's comfort. Right. You're always going for the comfort so side of it. They're always going to go to the comfort side. Right. So when I'm in a working situation, let's say I'm at a branding, okay, I rope the calves back legs and I stretch them out by the fire, that horse has to lean back and keep that rope tight. Right. Okay. He's not laying in a feather bed. <laughs> right. But if he leans forward and puts slack in that rope and that calf kicks and that rope whips him on the neck, that's more uncomfortable than if he leans back and holds the rope. Keeps it tight. So he's gonna lean back and hold the rope because that's where he finds comfort. Gotcha. And I don't have to be pulling on his mouth to get him to keep that rope tight. So let me, let me add, and this, this might sound like an ignorant question, it's not my intent, but when, you, when you're training a, uh, a young horse or, 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 or a new horse, I've heard the terminology, hey, you need to break that horse. Um, and and I feel like that's, I, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of a dirty word. It almost is. I mean, that, that yeah. word's almost been taken out of the dialect of breaking horses. You know, the old Bronx stomper. Right, is, right. You know, blindfold them, snub them to a post, screw your saddle down on, get in the middle of them and turn them loose yeah. and ride them. And he's doing only what comes natural. right. You know, they speak about natural horsemanship, but we take a prey animal, 
take a dead tree, cover it up with a dead cow, right? Pad it with a dead sheep. They use a horsehair cinch. They use a dead horse to <laughs> tie it to his back, right? And then throw a predator on top of him and turn him loose and say we're being natural. Uh, and we're doing the exact opposite is we're asking that horse to forego mother nature and listen to us right because any other time a predator jumps on top of a prey animal there's not harmony no they're fighting for their life but this is Really, the only time I can think of that a predator gets on top of a prey animal and you can have harmony and a partnership and a unity and teamwork and work together to get a job done. I've never looked at it that way. So, But there's a lot of truth behind that. I have to ask that horse to forego Mother Nature. So there's, you're, you're, you're asking the horse to, to be... Uh, you'd mentioned two things last week was was trust and and leadership yes was was a big thing and i and i think what really kind of hit home for me is is you know obviously with our military backgrounds that we have with leadership was something that we were taught but then how you incorporate it in your craft and, and everything was really and, and it and i felt like there was a lot of times during that where Okay, is he still talking about working with the horse? Is he talking about like our relationships with other people and 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 just within it, our, within ourselves? It's all one in the same. See, and that was that that kind of blew my mind. It wasn't something that I would expect. Yeah, something like that. And so I I, I say that only because it was very, I was very appreciative of that, and I thought it was really cool. That, but but talking about, is that something that you always do when you're teaching is bringing the leadership side of things in it and, and talking about trust or developing that trust with the animal. You have to have that trust because the horse is a herd animal. Okay. Just like humans are herd animals. We live in groups. Okay. There's a threat. Everybody turns and looks to see who's going to address the threat and who's going to tell us which way to run. Right. The horse is the same way. Us as a predator aren't looking to be attacked. Where the horse as a prey animal is always looking for that attack to come. Even though there's no lions and tigers and bears around here. Right. Mother Nature says, beware of lions and tigers and bears and always watch out. You're a prey animal. You were put here to be food. It's your job to prolong that as long as you can. So now, if we have a herd of horses out in an alpine meadow somewhere, and you got a yearling filly off to the side of the herd, she sees a mountain lion stalking the herd, she doesn't run away. She'll run up and down and jump up and holler and scream and whatever, now there's a mountain lion, something's over there. But until the lead mare picks her head up, looks and says, there's a mountain lion over there, everybody run this way, she doesn't leave. So with that being said, if I can assume the role of that lead mare, that that 
other horses do not have to worry about watching out for lions and tigers and bears because I'm going to take care of it. See, okay, now you say that. And my, the question lies now is how do you, how do you, how do you kind of step in and, and show the animal that, Hey, don't, you don't, I'm here watching out for you. You don't have to worry about it. Is it like it's a, it's the, the buddy check or the, you know, you're sitting in the foxhole with your battle buddy, right. you know? Okay. John, go ahead and you can take a 20 minute power nap or whatnot. I got the watch here. I'll tap you on your right boot, whatever. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So how yes. do you, how do you, how do you, how does that work then? Or how do you, I don't want to say, is there an easy way to do that it's with, simple. with the animals? It's simple. Uh, Ray Hunt was asked one time what the secret was to the horsemanship that he does. And his response was, there is no secret. If there was, it would be in the feet. But there is no secret. Horses establish leadership with each other by who moves whose feet. So the lead horse will move the other horse's feet. So if I come in and start directing that horse to move his feet and where he moves his feet, then he goes, okay, you understand my language. Yeah. Not per se, but I mean, horses' language is body language. Okay. Humans have tuned that out because we can talk to each other. Right. But your body hasn't tuned it out. Okay. And so I can go in in just a few minutes by directing that horse's feet. And immediately they pick up like... That horse the, picks up on that and says, he's, he's got my back. And I'm going to do anything I can to be near him. And from then on, it's just, it's easy. I just started, uh, it was January of last year, I actually competed in my first colt starting competition. And what the colt starting competitions are is we have three days. Okay. Uh, Friday morning, you have an hour with the colt. Friday afternoon, you get an hour with the colt. Same thing Saturday. You get an hour in the morning, hour in the afternoon. Sunday morning, you get half hour, 45 minutes. And then Sunday afternoon, you ride the colt through an obstacle course. <laughs> That's not much time. Yeah. So, so I got to ask, how'd you do? Hmm? How'd you do? I lost because I didn't check all the boxes. Ah, gotcha. I worked for the horse instead of for the competition. So ah, gotcha. I've, I've since learned that, but with the COVID situation, everything slowed down. It's different. Uh, you know, I left the showmanship out of it and I just went in and had a, a great colt yeah. and did really good. I, I walked, when I first time I walked into the pen, that colt just went to the other side of the <clears throat> round corral and was just standing there cowering. I couldn't get near him. And rather than going to chase him around and him panicking, I just took my rope out and roped him and started just working on getting a feel of him and just got to where he'd follow my feel and I could do anything. It took me about 20 minutes to put my hand on him. Ten minutes after my hand was on him, he was saddled and I was riding him. Holy. <laughs> yes. Once they hand it to you, it's yours to use. Right. It's just in the presentation to get them to hand it to you. Right. John, I want to I change gears a little bit. Okay. Um, 
we're, we're down here at, at Worth It Hollow. Um, how long have you been coming here? I met Sarah last summer, last spring. So it's been about a year. might be a little over a year. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine was doing some work for her, for her organization. And she and I got to talking, and she was talking about how she wanted to use horses to help veterans. And being a horseman and a veteran, I said, well, I kind of want in on that a little bit. Yeah. And we talked, and we set up this Wednesday night program to where I could come work with the veterans and disabled. And it's just blossoming from there. And don't know how far it's going to go, but it's it's looking really good. I, I, yeah, it's definitely looking good. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> it's definitely looking good. John, what's, uh, you know, for the... For the people out there that are that are listening to this right now, and they and and they want to get involved, and if they can't make it here, um, you know, do, do you have any recommendations for people and like maybe what to look for or maybe a, a riding tip or or, or a, a training tip or, or something for this? And, and then and then the second part of that is is if people want to get a hold of you, is is are you available? I'm always available. Okay. So have truck will travel. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent uh You travel quite a bit. Yes. I like would. and it's not just like up and down the E. I mean you travel all over. I've got friends out in Oregon. I go out and work cattle with them. I've got friends in Wyoming, Montana. Uh well in December I went and helped with a clinic in Fort Worth. And then I've been to Ocala, Florida two or three times this winter. Oh, wow. And just hanging out down there. And I'm also an equine osteopathic body worker. I work with racehorses and jumping horses and stuff. I'm also on staff at a local fox hunt here in Pennsylvania. Okay. That I actually fox hunt in my wade saddle, my 60-foot rope. Yeah. Big roll spurs <laughs> and my hat. And I'm on staff with them. And they've been really good to me. Yeah. So. So how, how does somebody get a hold of you? If they're listening to this and they want to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? You can find me on Facebook. Okay. Uh, my name, John Beachel, B-E-A-C-H-E-L. Okay. Uh, I'm sure you'll probably put a link down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to go through and edit my because <laughs> I'm almost at the 5,000 friends now. I keep going through and take off 100 that I haven't talked to, and it gets filled back up. But, you know, I love talking to people. I love talking about horses. So I love going on the road. I, I travel and do clinics and teach and do ranch roping, uh, colt starting, horsemanship clinics, de-spooking clinics, and... Let's see, I've got a lady in California contacted me last night, wants me to come to California. I've got one in Tennessee, April. Nice. One in North Carolina at the end of April. Uh, I was just invited today to go to a branding clinic in South Dakota. Oh, wow. So... I'm going to go up there with those boys. And you definitely, you, you're, you're on the go. Yeah. I got, I got one more question for you. Okay. The, the show is called the decision hour. That's, okay. that's, that's my show that I do on top of what you've probably already seen with, with heroes media group. But the decision hour, I asked this 
question to all my guests is, is name a time in your life where your feet were on the line and you had to make, you had to make that decision. What, what was that decision? What was the atmosphere like at the time? The biggest decision of my life, the scaredest I've been, and I've been shot at and I've shot, was when the judge dropped his gavel and said, they're your daughters, take them home. It can't get any better than that, folks. That was folks. the scariest moment in my life. It, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that. John, I appreciate Thank your you. time today. You folks, that's, uh, that's all the time that we have. Make sure you check out our parent network, Heroes Media Group. Uh, simply go to heroesmediagroup.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.